This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. How does a company with $15 billion in revenue and 100,000 employees worldwide not have a corporate compliance program? What is the role of compliance in mergers and acquisitions? Matt Kelly and I take up these questions and others in the WPP Enforcement Action on Compliance Into the Weeds. I know you will enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. We usually try to have fun on this podcast. Well, today we're going to have some fun. We're going to start with Ozzy and see where it goes. So, Matt, first of all, welcome. Hello, Tom. I am glad to be here. I don't know how long you've been a business journalist, and I'm not going to ask you how long you've been a business journalist, but I'm going to pose this scenario to you. New York Times reports major fraud by the company on Sunday. On Monday, company responds saying that the New York Times article by Ben Smith was a hit piece. On Tuesday, uh, top talent at the firm, uh, incredibly appropriately named Caddy K uh, resigns after reading said New York Times article. On Wednesday, the chairman of the board of the organization resigns, saying that he's really not a crisis management slash investigative kind of guy. Thursday, company announces uh, hired blue collar, excuse me, white shoe law firm uh, to come in and do the investigations, ending the week on Friday with company announcing it's closing its doors. So that's what happened to Ozzy last week. And what I wanted to pose to you is, uh, in your tenure as a business journalist, have you seen a $40 million company fall so quickly? Uh, I would have to go way, way back to at least the dot-com craziness of the late 1990s when I started as a tech reporter. Even then, Tom, I am not sure. But let us not forget the... The new chapter here, this Monday, today, that we are recording, the CEO of Aussie Media, Carlos Watson, said they're back. They are still going to reopen. He, he had an, some sort of epiphany over the weekend that this is still his moment, which is news to the 75 employees who all got fired last Friday. And I think it is news to a lot of the investors who have all taken five big steps back from this train wreck that happened with Aussie. Uh, which, Tom, if you want to talk about this, that is fine. We certainly can. But I think it is emblematic of many other corporate conduct, workplace conduct scandals we have seen lately where we could you know, pull out a bingo card with all of the corporate conduct uh, misdeeds and big names we've seen lately. Because I want, by the time I'm done, we're going to have them all checked off. That sounds like a great plan, Matt, because I, don't, I do want to focus on Aussie because the article by Ben Smith as I pitched to our colleague, recovering screenwriter Jay Rosen, uh, could we make a, a movie out of it? And he said, no one would make a movie out of it. It's too far-fetched, perhaps science fiction. And that science fiction was, uh, as part of uh, some in- investment due diligence, Goldman Sachs bankers wanted to talk with one of the key customers of Ozzy, YouTube. Ozzy had been claiming a very good relationship with YouTube. 
They were on YouTube's original series and had uh, very strong numbers on YouTube. So Ozzy set up a con call with the appropriate YouTube VP. Immediately prior to the con call, the uh, YouTube VP emailed, not from his YouTube email account, but from a Gmail account, that he was having some technical difficulties and he needed to switch over to just the old-fashioned con call uh, with no video. So they did. Uh, at some point during the call, the Goldman Sachs bankers began to suspect that uh, the YouTube VP's audio was being manipulated, perhaps by some audio software. And so they concluded the call, and they reported this to Goldman Sachs internal security, who investigated, and turned out it was true. And indeed, they reached out to the YouTube VP, who denied that he had been on the call, denied any knowledge of the call, and denied knowledge of the participants involved and said, whoever it was, it wasn't me. So I thought, first of all, we've got a very serious potential due diligence problem, particularly in our post-pandemic world, where you might interview someone uh, who is uh, not the person you think you're interviewing because of some sort of software editing or auditing, or editing, I guess, uh, process. But it spoke then to, I think, a, a wider problem if that is how they treat potential investors. What uh, underlying due diligence might they have defrauded other investors on? And also uh, herd mentality that uh, we see in, I think, the invest com investment community from time to time and going with your gut rather than uh, substantive information su such as numbers, but really not to criticize the investment community. But I see that a lot in the compliance community, uh, not, not the compliance community, from the business community when they're trying to get a third party or other business venture partner pass muster, they'll say, well, you know, they're XYZ certified or Corporation ABC uses them as an agent, so they must be okay. And uh, it struck me that that sort of mentality was one of the things that was going on here. And then as more was revealed around Ozzy, uh, it, uh, and that more was revealed was specifically that Ozzy was selling, that they had a deal with A&E for production of a show, and uh, they took that information out to various guests who signed on based on that. And it turned out that Ozzy had no relationship with A&E. And then you'll appreciate the next, Matt, that was my favorite part, that they claimed that the Ozzy was, of course, stolen from Ozzy Osbourne. And they had to reach a, an agreement with Ozzy, and as part of that, Ozzy became an investor in Ozzy. And uh, that turned out to be a falsehood as well. So it's pretty clear we had some serious fraud going on here. This, as far as we know, was not a U.S. public company. It was a private company, uh, market value estimated to be $40 million, which evaporated pretty quickly. But it really struck me, Matt, that we may be moving towards an era where it's much more challenging and much more difficult to do uh, due diligence, to do due diligence on business vendors, to do due diligence on pre-acquisition uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions candidates, or, or really anyone else that you want to do business with. 
but you seem to uh, really draw some broader lessons from this. What are some of the broader lessons you drew? Let's take a step back. And for those listeners who might not be familiar with the whole Aussie scandal, let's just do a quick recap. So Aussie media is this multimedia business, which, um, frankly, up until about the middle of last week, I, and I am a long-term business journalist, I never heard of these guys. I don't think 99% of the the population has ever heard of Aussie until probably about October 1st. Um, But it was founded in 2013 by Carlos Watson, a very charismatic investment banker and MBA graduate who was not, at any point in his career, an actual business journalist, Red flag number one. Um, And he founded it with a man named Samir Rao. And Samir Rao is that person that Tom was talking about uh, who basically posed or is accused of being, uh, of having posed as a YouTube executive to try and dupe Goldman Sachs into investing $40 into the firm. Um, Now, subsequently, Aussie has said that Samir Rao suffered a mental health break when this happened, and if he, in fact, is suffering from mental illness, I don't want to pick on him too much. If he, in fact, he is just trying to be a devious fraudster, then I have very little sympathy for Mr. Rao, who, by the way, I believe has either been forced out or quit or something, but I don't believe he is currently affiliated with Aussie. Although, 24 hours ago, we all thought nobody was affiliated with Aussie because it went out of business, and now Carlos Watson... The CEO is back saying, actually, we're all still on when no one else knows what he's talking about. So there's a lot of weirdness here. Um, I don't have much sympathy for the Silicon Valley investors who poured a lot of money into Carlos Watson if they fell for the snow job. Um, Those investors include people like Laureen Powell, who is the widow of Steve Jobs, Um, Alex Springer, who is the media mogul of the uh, largest publishing company in Germany that publishes, I think it's Dear Spiegel and several others. Um, And then, you know, Mark Lasry, the chairman of Aussie Media, who quit when he said that this takes crisis management and investigations expertise I do not have. For the record, everybody, Mark Lasry is the previous chairman of Weinstein Company, that Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, who was Trump uh, arrested and hauled out on sexual assault charges and I believe is now in prison while he's appealing his sentence. So there is sketchy uh, reference to sketchy other business number one is Weinstein Company. But number two, the case that this reminds me the most of, actually, Tom, is Theranos, which is so, okay, now there's our second reference to another company that is riddled with fraud and accusations of poor workplace management and culture. Um, But, you know, we have a lot of deep-pocketed Silicon Valley investors who think that what they're investing in is for real, and it's not, because they fall for the story, and they don't fall for the due diligence report and the hard analysis that they should do. The only ones so far that we have talked about, Tom, who did their job because they are smart and knew that if something smells too good to be true, it probably actually is just cow manure, was Goldman Sachs, who figured out, this doesn't seem right, we ain't touching it with a 10-foot pole, get our investigations people on this, and now everything is unraveled for Aussie. Um, So, you know, again, talking about all of these deep-pocketed Silicon Valley investors who get just kind of bowled over by a snow job, Uh, all of the ones who were suckered into Theranos with Elizabeth Holmes, none of those people asked for, say, audited financial statements of Theranos. 
And then they would say, yeah, sure, we'll pour $100 million into your business. What could go wrong? Well, everything could go wrong at Theranos. Everything did. And there's an awful lot of parallels here. I would love to know what due diligence did Laureen Powell or Alex Springer or Mark Lazary or several other big-pocketed investors, what due diligence did they do for Carlos Watson? Um, did they look at his experience as a news reporter, which was zero? Uh, did they look at his experience running a media business, which I think was zero up until he decided to launch Aussie in 2013? Um, the only other one, Tom, I'm still not clear. So is Aussie Osborne actually part of Aussie media or not? Because if Aussie were doing a talk show, that I would tune in for, because I think he would be much better at it than Carlos Watson, who was just ridiculous all the way through. We'll be right back with more Compliance Into the Weeds after this message from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, Ozzy Osbourne is not a part of this. But, Matt, you, you bring up a really interesting point. I talked about some of the failures in overall due diligence. You talked about really the character and values of the people you're going into business with, whether that's through an investment, whether that's through a large uh, contract, whether that's through a acquisition or a partial acquisition. Could you maybe expand a little bit about uh, why you see that as such a critical failure, at least in the Aussie situation? Well, I think it's going to be a more and more important factor just generally in good corporate business. And while we have been talking about startups for a while here, Tom, I'd like to widen the lens a bit to several other companies that are publicly traded where there are going to be ethics and compliance and corporate culture issues that suddenly come into the picture and now all of our listeners, you know, you have to pay attention to these things. Um, if we are slowly but surely entering a business world where human capital is more important than, say, physical infrastructure or even access to cash, because the one thing that the world has plenty of actually is cash. There's trillions of dollars floating around in the investment world. It's all about how do you put that together with a group of actual people with an actual leader who are going to try to achieve actual objectives. And if you don't get the right people, then you're not going to succeed. And all of that cash and investment capital goes down the tubes because the human capital couldn't be kept together to achieve the objectives. Now, that's a lot of theory, but you know, let me say a little more specifically what I mean. Let's talk about, say, Activision Blizzard which, Tom, you and I have talked about before. And so here we go. There is sketchy company number three on our bingo card. I think I have to get to five, and then I can declare bingo. Um, Activision Blizzard suffered a terrible act of uh, corporate mismanagement for years, apparently, where they had this sexually harassing culture that alienated a lot of people. Um, the company is suffering mightily right now. It has been sued by California regulators, has a horrendous reputation problem. And then, Tom, the thing that caught my eye is that, allegedly, this has been neither confirmed nor denied, the SEC is investigating Activision. Well, why? 
Because one thing that Activision Blizzard had not been accused of so far is improper financial reporting. And that's what the SEC's primary mission is, is to make sure that there are accurate financial reports. But part of that mission is to make sure that publicly traded companies are disclosing relevant material risks to the investors. And the question, therefore, is, was Activision being forthright with investors about the state of its corporate culture? And maybe decades ago in a different world, that didn't necessarily matter much if you were doing a lot of heavy industry, like a car manufacturer or something like that. But in the modern world, your reputation is really intrinsic to your value, and your reputation is intrinsic to your ability to hire good employees. And if you can't keep good employees around because you're letting your corporate culture be terrible, you're going to suffer. Well, that's a material risk, and are you disclosing all of that or not? Um, So I've been thinking a lot about Activision Blizzard and how it is sort of a public company version of what we have already been talking about with Weinstein Company, with uh, Aussie Media, and with Theranos. And Tom, the other one that comes to mind just lately is Facebook. And okay, so now that is my last big reference to a sketchy company. Uh, That's four that I've mentioned, plus Aussie Media. There you go. Five. I got it. Bingo, everybody. I told you I would get there. Bingo. so what happened with Facebook is the Wall Street Journal in the last couple of weeks has had an excellent series of reports looking at how Facebook managers have known that they've had serious problems with their product, that it is, uh, for example, Instagram, which Facebook owns, is fueling body image uh, concerns and anxieties among teenage girls who are using Instagram apparently all the time. Um, they have known that their product is causing this I guess, collateral damage that you would cause, say in the American public about the election, about the January 6th insurrection, even something as simple as body image concerns and anxiety in teenage girls and presumably other people who use Facebook products, um, and that they weren't disclosing any of that, and that Facebook people are up in arms about it. And now we had this whistleblower, Francis Hagan, who went on to 60 Minutes last night to share all the dirty secrets and dirty laundry about Facebook. And Tom, she too also said that she has filed a whistleblower complaint about Facebook with the SEC. And again, back to my first question, well, about what? Because Facebook hasn't been accused of improper financial reporting. It's one of the very few problems they apparently don't have at Facebook. But we all know what Facebook is really going to be accused of here by Ms. Hagen is that they know that they have been running a product that is terribly corrosive and management is trying to shield that, hide it, cover it up, not disclose it, poo-poo it, whatever words you want to say. But it is all about the quality of management. Are they forthright about what their product is doing? Are they keeping good people there? Do they have a good workplace environment? These things are getting more and more important to the value of a company. I have no doubt that if uh, Aussie Media was uh, a publicly traded company, it would be under investigation by the SEC today. Absolutely. And for all we know, if they have enough investors, even on the private side, maybe they are under investigation by the SEC, which is what happened with Theranos, even though it never went public. But Theranos was such a ghastly state of fraud against the private investors who were dumb enough to fall for that scheme that they took action against Theranos anyways. Maybe we'll see the same here. But all of my long-winded point is that 
we need to pay more attention to the values of a company, to the skill of management, to the forthrightness of management, to the workplace culture it is cultivating. And if you don't, then regulators are going to take action. And also, if you don't, you could just wind up being a laughingstock of business, media, and corporate governance, which Carlos Watson and Aussie, you know, it's your turn in the barrel, guys. Enjoy it. But it seems like they brought this on themselves. Kind of took a step back and gave us a broader picture, Matt. Let me see if I could take the Facebook situation and maybe take that into the weeds a little bit. Because last night, Frances Hagen was on 60 Minutes, uh, outed herself as the whistleblower, which she had not uh, done in the Wall Street Journal. But she went on to detail the mistake she felt Facebook made, which allowed uh, this increasing uh, amount of ha- hate groups uh, and other groups, uh, other types of nefarious conduct to, to flourish on Facebook. And, and she pointed towards an algorithm and an algorithm that increased engagement based upon the increased engagement that a reader or user uh put in in Facebook, and that increased engagement typically was around subjects that were, if not more volatile, uh, were certainly more emotional. So for uh, people who were persuaded or uh, tilted towards uh, against the uh, current Biden administration, anything that pointed favorably towards the election being stolen, uh, they engaged more. So, So it sort of became a vicious cycle. You've been looking into AI and uh, machine learning from a variety of angles. Does this seem like uh, a problem that uh, uh, could be uh, more forthcoming and even move into the compliance arena? I mean, eventually, I think it could probably more in the audit and risk management arena. But it is a proven thing with a lot of social media that when you, as you build these in algorithms and they get closer and closer to being AI like not the super duper AI of the Terminator or the Star Trek main computer or anything we're we're not going to see that in our lifetimes but you know AI that can interact with people um it will take its cues from the data that it's getting from people and Facebook's algorithm is studying the data that it gets and you know who's going to be most active on Facebook the people who get hot under the collar about all sorts of things and so it's, it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy tom a better example i think would be rather than talk specifically about facebook uh so several years ago in 2016 microsoft launched a ai driven chatbot and gave it a twitter feed it was called tay and it lasted for less than 11 hours on Twitter because Tay was absorbing data from users who were interacting with Tay and they started feeding it hate speech. And within a couple of hours, Tay was spouting out white supremacy nonsense that would have made the Nazi party proud. Microsoft immediately saw the problem. They pulled the plug on Tay and Tay has been never been back since. But there is absolutely the chance that algorithms can get out of your control if you are not tightly governing the data that's being fed into those machine learning algorithms. And the whole point of Facebook, I would say, is you're not tightly governing the data. You're letting everybody interact with everybody else. Unfortunately, it becomes a race to the bottom. And, you know, white supremacy extremist jackasses have a gift for getting to the bottom really quick. And that winds up with, you know, the mess that Facebook has on its hands. So, Matt, we started off with uh, Ozzy and uh, voice recognition 
uh, software or, or voice altering software. And we were able to go through the Matt Kelly bingo of Ozzy Weinstein, Theranos, activism, and Facebook. Um, I suspect we're going to have the opportunity to revisit one or more of these companies down the road. Any thoughts? Uh, I, I think that this is going to be a long-term problem that compliance officers could maybe talk with your board more about. Is you know The board's always going to say human capital is very important, but okay, what does that actually mean? They're thinking in terms of we need to get the best and brightest sales people and engineers and administrative assistants, and you do, but you need to keep them. And what keeps them there is that it's a good place to work. And what does that actually mean? You know, you're going to have to come up with what the company values and make sure that the employees agree with it and they stay with it. Well, who enforces that value system? It's management. Are they actually doing that? And if they're not, because either they're inept or they're lying or they're fraudsters or whatever, you are inevitably going to wind up on the bingo card with one of the companies we just mentioned in this podcast. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I'd like to invite you to take a listen to the newest entry on the compliance podcast world, Design Thinking, where with my co-host Karsten Tams, we explore the social engineering concept of design thinking and how you can use it to make your compliance program not only more engaging, but more effective. It's a fascinating exploration of a topic that has needed exploration for quite some time. Karsten is well-versed on design thinking, and I've got a a university certification in it as well. So check out Design Thinking in Compliance, premiering Wednesday, October 6th, on the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week, where we take up a topic that interests us as we go deep into the weeds on Compliance Into the Weeds, which is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.